That good, huh? That good. I could hear the people online more than I could hear you guys, man. So glad you're awake in here and glad you're like, I can hear you yelling all the way from Indiana online. I just want to welcome, glad you're here. Uh, thank you for joining us online. Um, this week, uh, we, were, we were just kind of looking at our online reach and we're reaching hundreds of people every week through Creek Online and it's amazing. And so uh, share it, share it, get the word out, uh, like posts and uh, do all the stuff you do on social media, you social media folks. Um, but I'm glad you're here, and, and uh, we're finishing out our series uh, called Focus. We start every January with this series, really kind of lock us in, get us focused on what God's calling us to, and where that where that momentum is going for the year. And our focus for this year is multiply. And uh, God just really gave me that in a in a. A very just inter- interesting way uh, over last year, and just kind of in some quiet time out in the middle of the woods. And uh, I hope I hope this has been as a challenging for you as it is for me uh, on kind of living this out. It's not just something we teach, we listen to, and we walk away from and go, "Yeah, that was good." But the Word of God is designed to bring transformation into our life, and in order for that transformation to really happen, we've got to apply what God is teaching us and, uh, and being obedient to His words, and, uh, and God, uh, God does want to multiply you. He does want to bless you, and God only multiplies what we put in His hands. I call it the divine handoff, right? And and so we've got it. We're going to look at we're going to look at a, a passage that God really showed me uh, some clear things over last summer as we were prepping into to what the theme was for 2022. Actually, I don't really start. I'm not I'm not that on top of things. So in the summer, I'm not thinking about January. You know, most of the time in ministry, we're thinking about the next Sunday, right? And it it just comes up and comes up and comes up. And uh, I just I Heather and I took a sabbatical and. And had a great time. And coming off of that, I went camping by myself and just did a solo trip out in the middle of the woods and just asking God, God, show me uh, what you want for the church. I mean, the sabbatical that Heather and I went on to, that's, that was for Heather and I. And that was for us to kind of refocus and recenter. And, 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 and I would say this, taking that break is amazing. I'm 20, almost 20 years in ministry, and we hadn't taken that kind of break together. And as I now coach other pastors, I tell them, you've got to build that in. You know, even as parents, listen to me, as parents, you've got to build in time away from your kids. You've got to build in a vacation, and yeah, the kids are going to be upset, but you know what? They'll survive. You've got to go away and just reconnect you two. And our kids, when we would do that growing up, they would cry in the big, big tears, and I can't believe you're going to leave us for a week. And you know, we told them, we're, we're doing this for you, and they didn't understand that at the time, but we told them, this helps us be the parents that we need to be. So we've got to get away from you to be good parents. And uh, hey, however you want to interpret that, you know, it worked out. And our, our girls have come back to us and said, you know, we value that. You know, we value that, that you placed your marriage above, above that. And, and, and it's all about living in that priority. And so I didn't spend a lot of time on sabbatical praying about the church. Um, it was just time with Heather and I, and we were, we were doing our own studies and, and listening to God and writing stuff out and, and things like that. Then I went into, God, what do you want for the church? And this theme of multiply just kept popping up over and over and over. And, and he took me to Mark chapter 6, and, and uh, it's where Jesus feeds the 5,000. But I, I want to give you some background on this because Jesus, Jesus we just get the miracle where Jesus just fed 5,000 men. You know, it's estimated there might have been around 20,000 people. Um, we know there was 5,000 men and, and, and hungry men at that. But earlier what's happening in the ministry and kind of the flow of the life of Jesus is he sends out the disciples. He sends the 12 disciples out. 
He gives them authority. He says, go out, go and preach the kingdom. Go proclaim the kingdom of heaven. Go heal the sick, cast out demons. What he's doing is he's anointing them to go do what he does because he knows that his time is coming to a close and he knows that he's got to raise up and invest in the lives of these men. It wasn't because they were good. It wasn't because they were perfect. God never chooses us because of our goodness. He chooses us because of his goodness. He doesn't anoint us because we bring something to the table. He anoints us because he wants to do something in us and through us to the world around us. And he brings these 12 disciples in and he gives them power, sends them out. So, so while they're out, John the Baptist is beheaded. You know, John the Baptist baptized Jesus, you know, and, and there was a connection. I mean, when, just even when Jesus was in the womb and, and John the Baptist was in the womb, when, when Elizabeth and Mary, their mothers came together, there was, there was action, right, because they knew and they had a connection. And so John is, is beheaded and Jesus gets all this information coming in. Then the disciples come back and, you know, as much as Jesus is, is feeling, like, man, I just, you know, he understands loss. He sees beyond it, but still there's, there's an element that we're going to, when we face that, there's got to be some grieving. And so he's, he's got this going on. The disciples come back. They're excited. They're like, hey, man, everything that you sent us out to do, it happened. I mean, people were here in the kingdom. We were healing the sick, and, and even the demons are subject to us in your name. And so Jesus uh, decides to take them on a retreat because anytime there's a, this, this time of just massive pouring out, you've got to refill. You know, it's, it's, I, to give you kind of an, a, a flow of my schedule, I don't take Monday off as a pastor. A lot of pastors take Monday off. My tendency would be on that Monday, I'm so empty because the weekend is an emotionally draining time for me and I, because I pray to enter in with every person. So if you come in here celebrating, I'm going to celebrate with you. If you come in here mourning and carrying the heaviness, I'm going to get in there with you. And that, that's emotionally exhausting. And for me, Mondays is not the time for me to take off because I don't want to go into an off time in that low. So I get up Monday morning, I hit the gym, I hit the word, and I get right back at it. My, my day off, the rhythm for my life, my day off is Friday, that's my Sabbath, and I want to come into the weekend rested, and I, I just, that's how I roll. And Jesus understands those rhythms in our life, and every one of us has to have rhythms in our life. If it's a constant pouring out and pouring out pouring out, you will eventually burn out. And you've got to take that time. Jesus understands this, so he's going to take the disciples off for a retreat. He says, let's go. We're going to go to a desolate place. We're going to get away. We're going to get some quiet. I'm going to just, I'm going to minister to you. I'm going to pour into you. And, and so they get in a boat. And while they're getting in the boat, people start recognizing Jesus and the disciples. They recognize them. They, they run ahead to where the boat's heading. And they, they meet up with Jesus. And we'll pick up in verse 34. It says this, when, when he, Jesus, went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd and he began to teach them many things. Jesus wanted rest, but he recognized the need here and he goes right to work and, and, and he gets, he, he, I think Jesus, he's feeling the weight because he says that there were people like they're lost, like a sheep without a shepherd. He sees the lostness. He sees the, the desperation of our lives. And when, when we find ourselves in that every one of us are like that, he has compassion on us. Whenever he went into a village, Jesus didn't just have compassion on the sick. He has compassion for people. 
And so he begins to teach them and explain the kingdom. And, and he gets into this, this, this teaching with them. And verse 35 goes on. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. So basically, one, I, don't, I don't know which disciple drew the short straw to go interrupt Jesus. I mean, can you imagine that? Kind of come up shoulder to Jesus. I call it watch tapping because I've, I've got a clock, okay? We, we, we run multiple services around here, and so I've got to be able to end on time. And, and I've, you know, I, whenever I go long, that puts all the structure in jeopardy, because, especially for our children's ministry, because if I go long, they're like, please, dear Jesus, come save us from these kids. They love your kids, but they love your kids in doses, right? And if I, if I overdose them, I hear about it on Monday, right? And, and, so, and, and if I'm going long, and, and Heather is the best at this, and she will sit there and she will go, she taps her wrist. No watch. She's just like, and that's like, you better hurry up, boy. And then, I mean, I, I even one time, I mean, it was the presence and power of God was just coming down, man, and I'm just at it, and I didn't even notice the clock was in the red. I didn't even notice it, and, and, and the sound guys are in the back going, and I was like, oh, let's pray, you know, and I don't know who was, who was watch tapping Jesus on that, but it's like, hey, Jesus, hey, it's getting late. They need to beat the Baptist to the buffet, right, or something like that, or, you know, every denomination has their jokes, right? It's like, we've got to beat the other churches to the restaurants because it, never mind I can't say anything else on that so they're like send them away Jesus we they can go buy themselves something they can go take care of themselves you don't want to deal with a, a grumpy hungry crowd Jesus so just go ahead and close this thing up why don't you pray close it up and people can head out head out I mean it, it's just like it, that's a human nature right we're timing and Jesus Jesus okay here's the solution you give them something to eat so Jesus like you feed them. Now, where was I? I mean, okay, think about it. The title of this, Jesus Feeds the 5,000. So, I mean, there's an audience, right? And he's like, so they're like, send them away. No, no, you feed them. Let's go at it. And, and they, then there's a conversation that starts to happen. It's like, okay, wait, time out. Sorry, Jesus, I got to interrupt you one more time. What are we going to feed them with? They go, we could go buy bread. And it says 200 denarii worth of bread. That's nine months wages. I mean, there's, he's like, look, we could go spend 75% of my annual salary to buy bread, and it's not going to be enough to give everybody just a little bit. I mean, this, this, this scene is found in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in John, they're like, look, we could go buy it, but everybody would just, they wouldn't even get a little morsel, man. And so you, you want us to feed them. And Jesus, now I, I, I don't get to see the emotion in Jesus, but we know he's fully God, right? And we know he's fully man. And as a man, there's emotions there. So I don't know if he's like having an inner monologue. I mean, I have an inner monologue. You, you, you and I could be having a conversation, and my inner monologue can be saying something totally different. And most of the time, my inner monologue is going, don't say that out loud. Don't, that, 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 no, keep that, don't say that out loud. Just like I had to stop a little bit ago. See, that's the power of the Holy Spirit at work in the life of a believer. Like, you just need to keep that in your inside, not inside voice, inside your head, okay? Don't let that come out. But Jesus, now, he's, he's not teaching anymore. He's having a conversation with the disciples. He's like, well, how many loaves do you have? And, and it just says, how many loaves do you have? The next word, go and see. 
I kind of picture that Jesus going, how many loaves do you have? And the disciples like, and Jesus like, go and see. Go figure out what you got. And when they had found out, so there there's, has to be some time. So I'm assuming in this that Jesus went back to teaching. And I'm sure that like, he's, he's teaching, and you got 12 disciples walking through the crowd going, you got any food? You got any food? I mean, can you imagine that? You know, like in church, we pass a plate. We don't pass a plate at the creek, but like, you know, that kind of disrupts the service. It's like walking through the crowd while Jesus is teaching, like, I can't wait to hear what he says. What, what, what? Bread? What? No, 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 stop. You know? So they have to go. There's interruptions all over the place, right? And so they finally come back and they say, we've got five loaves and two fish. Now in Mark, it doesn't tell us where they got that from. But in John, his account of this is a little boy. Or it says a boy had five loaves and two fish. So the only fool out of 5,000 that shows up prepared to eat, right? I mean, come on. Were they, no. Remember growing up, it's like, are you packing your lunch or are you buying at school? Well, it depended on what they were having at school to be honest with you. I mean, most of the time I like to bring my lunch, but, but like corn dog day, come on now. In the elementary school that I grew up in, they, act, it, they actually cooked. I mean, it was like you had a meal. And they, they met, that's where I got my deep love and affection for pepperoni rolls because they would make homemade bread, homemade rolls with pepperoni slices in between. I mean, come on, somebody. I mean, that's like holiness in bread. So on that day, no, I'm not packing my lunch. I'm buying because I want the pepperoni roll. And so the, the only person that had anything on him was this kid. Then, the, then I'm trying to, my mind goes down, okay, how did they get it from the kid? Like, hey, kid. <laughs> you see that guy they're teaching? That guy can walk on water. That guy controls the weather. That guy can make dead people come alive. Can I have your lunch? You know? Remember what we talked about last week when Paul said, don't give under guilt or compulsion, but what God lays on your heart. So somewhere, God was working on this little boy's heart where he gave up his lunch. I mean, because he's not, this guy's not stupid. He's like, you look around, you you want my food? You, You didn't prepare for this? I mean, you having a church meeting? I mean, Christianity and food go hand in hand. I mean, and you got Jesus. He says, I am the bread of life. And you didn't plan for this? But they end up with the five loaves and two fishes from the boy. I don't know if the boy's crying or if he's, I'm telling my dad. But then Jesus, <laughs> then Jesus commanded them to all sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And I think there's a value in this. I mean, Jesus is showing us something here. He's organizing things. I mean, God is a God of order and God does organization. He does it well. And, and what you'll find is, is when you start breaking down in groups, that's why we do life groups. I mean, because it makes it easier to feed people. I mean, we come into an environment like this and we sit in a room or you're watching online and, and really it's, it's so one-sided, right? You're hearing me teach. But when we get into circles, when we get into groups, then we can have more dynamic interaction. We can get real hands-on with the material. And Jesus has sent them down into groups. Makes it easier for leaders to feed. And so they sit down in the groups. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, Jesus looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. Now, I look at this, this, just, this divine handoff that's happening. 
right? The boy has to put what he has in the hands of the disciples. The disciples go to Jesus. Here's what we've got. They put it in the hands of Jesus. It says Jesus blesses it. What he did, he multiplied it. And he starts dividing it. And see, that seems like it's, it, it, it's, it's, it's opposite of each other. That Wait, was Jesus blessing and multiplying or was he dividing it? He was multiplying and he was dividing out what he had multiplied so that it could meet the needs of the people around him. So this handoff goes, boy puts it in the hands of the disciples. Disciples put it in the hands of Jesus. Jesus lifts it up. He blesses it. He multiplies it. And then he starts handing it back out to the disciples. And then the disciples hand it out to the people. And it's a beautiful thing when you start to see how, how this is happening. And Jesus multiplied what was in his hands. And then verse 42 says, and they all ate and were satisfied. They all ate. Everyone there. And they were satisfied. In John, it says they ate as much as they could get their fill, as much as they wanted. And there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a truth here about how much you want God. I mean, you have all of God that you want in your life. That's, there's good news in that. There's challenging news in that, right? Bad news. It's like, do you want more of God in your life? Because he's the one who satisfies. I mean, he multiplied it. He supplied the need, and it says they were satisfied. And then they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces of the fish and the bread. And, and those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. Now, this is where we've changed some things in church because we don't just count the men. Like, a pastor's going to count everybody like two or three times. You know, you'll ask a pastor, how many people were at that event? The pastor, there's like 3,000 people. Well, how, how, many did, how, how many do you really think? There's probably 28 people, right? And that room was full. How many were in there? There's thousands. There had to be thousands in there. There's 28 people, really. The, the, the ushers are the ones doing the counts, right? But they only counted the guys. And, and so 5,000 men. Now, we know the boy had, he's the one who supplied the food for all of that, right? He put it in the hands of the disciples who put it in the hands of Jesus, who put it in the hands of the disciples who put it back out to the people. And I think the leftovers isn't bad planning on God's part. You know, that's, that's one of the things you do, right? You're having people for dinner and you try to plan for food. You know, and, and Heather and I differ on how much to buy, especially when it comes to meat. Because I, I, I you know, I want meat, right? And when if, if I'm going to go, if you're coming over for dinner and I'm going to go buy steaks, I'm buying steaks, baby. And Heather's goes, no, you, there's a formula for how much meat you need to buy for people come. I was like, forget the formula. How many people are coming? That's how many steaks we need. You know? She goes, well, no, you buy a steak this big, you can cut it. I was like, why? Yeah, I'll cut it while I eat it. I won't just pick it up and be an Neanderthal. I'm gonna, I'll cut it while I eat it in nice bite-sized pieces. But this wasn't bad planning on God's part. It's like, oh, man, I just, woo. Jesus, I should have stopped multiplying there for you, buddy. But, uh, son, I, you got too much. I think this is intentional. I think this is to show us that God is a God of abundance. That God just doesn't meet needs. He meets all of our needs. That he has this supply. That he, he owns everything. And he's showing us that he is a God of abundance. And he is the one who multiplies. 
You know, what's interesting about this miracle is, is we see so, so many times how Jesus does different miracles differently, right? When he heals the, the, the men from blindness, there's three different men who are blind. One he touched, one he put mud in their eyes, and one he spit in his eyes. And I think he shows us that different ways to say, you're not going to reduce me down to some formula that you can fix how I do what I do. You have to trust me to do what I do. And in this miracle, I mean, he could have, Jesus is teaching. The disciples interrupt him. Hey, they're hungry. Send them away. They're not hungry anymore. Like I just took away their hunger. Jesus could have, he, he didn't even have to break stride and he could have just thought, hey, nobody in this crowd is going to get hungry until tomorrow morning and their bellies are satisfied. He's God, right? He created us. But the miracle wasn't that the disciples said, hey, it's getting late. And Jesus just said, that's fine. There we go. They're good. No, he's showing us something in this. He, he went through this process of this so that we can learn something from it. And I really think what he's trying to teach us here is, is we've got to know what we have. What do you have? We, we, we need to be able to do the inventory because God uses what we have, everything. He uses everything we have. And a lot of times we get so focused on what we don't have that we miss what we do have. And then we start looking at our inventory of what we do have and we minimize what God can do with it. Listen, God uses everything. We all have a past. We all have issues. We all have failures. We all have successes. We all have hurts. We have all these things that God says, if you'll let me, I'll use that. But know what you got. Everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And it's not our power at work where God uses it. It's his power at work. And I think God chooses to work through the ordinary, you and I, to show his power. It's what 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says. So we have this in jars of clay. We have these treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power that we have is from God and not from us. The, the jars of clay, there was ordinary pots. It wasn't like God's not saying, hey, well, you have this treasure in this ornate vase. And when people see you, they're going to go, ooh. No, he's a ordinary life. When I think of ordinary life, I think of the moments that are scrappy, Right? I mean, we all have moments in our life that we're like, there's no way God can do anything with that. But God says, I can do anything with what you let me, with what you are willing to put in my hands. And we, we need to know what we have. That's why we do some things we do around here. I mean, we have this journey track process. It's not so, so we can just get people in a room it's so that we can walk with you through a process to discover what you have. You got spiritual giftings that God created you and you're wired for. And he brings those different gifts in to the family and the body so that we can be of maximum effort to change lives. And we get, into, we get into those environments so that we understand these are some gifts that I have. These are some passions that God has birthed inside of me. And listen, these are even some hurts that I've gone through that, that you know, I don't know if God can use this or not, but I'm going to lay it out there. And there's two comforting words that I've discovered in church, me too. We saw it last fall. We did a series called This Is My Story. And we had people every week Sharing their story. 
And I hope you've taken time to write your story and gone through the details so you can see what God has done in your life. But as people shared their stories, it, it really created a lot of ministry opportunities because the people that were sharing their stories were hanging out in the commons after service. And after every service, they had people coming up to them and going, I, that, that's my experience too. And they find comfort and connection because God's using some of the deepest wounds of their past to connect somebody else with the healing grace that only comes through the hands of God. And Jesus is saying, you got to know what you have. Because we could say, I only got five loaves and two fish. But you could also say, Jesus, I have five loaves and two fish. And we have to trust God. Listen, we got to trust God enough to take what we have and put it in his hands. It takes trust. I mean, we don't get an insight into the minds of the little boy or the boy or the disciples and what's going on. But look, it took trust for that boy to hand over his food to the disciples. It took trust to hand it over from the disciples to Jesus. And it took trust when Jesus was handing it to the disciples because Jesus says, I'm trusting you now with what I've multiplied, with what I've blessed. And then the disciples have to trust that when they give it, what God gives is enough. And there's this trust, this foundation of trust. It, you got to have faith to trust God. And faith comes from, from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And that means when Jesus says, I will do this, he will do it. I mean, I, we're called to have childlike faith, right? Jesus said, don't hinder the kids from coming to me. Because this is the kingdom. This is the kingdom. And we've got to have childlike faith. I mean, like, look at the faith of a child. You know, I believe I can fly. You know, I believe, I, you know. And something happens as we get older and life gets crustier. You know, we just stop believing. You know, we, we, we see, we experience letdowns. We experience hurt. Our trust in people get broken. Our trust in God might get tested. And, and, and so we just, we start holding in our faith. And we're called to have this childlike faith. Jesus, you said you'll do it, and I believe you'll do it. And there's a difference. Like, we can have childlike faith, but we also can have childish faith. We're like, no, this is mine. I'm holding this. I'm not sharing this with you. And the difference in childlike faith and childish faith, listen, it's trust. Do we trust God to do what he says? Do we trust God that he is who he says he is? I mean, God chooses to use us. And look, it's not just about food, right? Trust put it in the hands of Jesus. And then Jesus starts blessing it and handing it out. But we're not the manufacturers, we're the distributors. They're handing out fish and bread here. But listen, God just multiplies grace in your life. Grace upon grace upon grace upon grace for us to distribute grace. God is love and the author of love. 
And he gives us love. He gives us unconditional love so freely. Even when we think we don't deserve it, his love is so amazing so that we can be distributors of God's love. He brings peace into the most tumultuous times of our life so that we can become distributors of peace. See, what we put in the hands of God, he multiplies it so that we can then use that to change lives. It's this beautiful process. I mean, this, this boy showed up with enough food to meet one person's need, his. But through this miracle of multiplication, in the hands of Jesus, thousands of lives were impacted. And listen, this story of what this boy put in the hands of Jesus will stand for all eternity because it is written in the word of God and the word of God stands for all of eternity. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. That throughout eternity, we will see the miraculous power of Jesus to multiply what we put in his hands. And it takes trust to put it in his hands. And then he trusts it back to us for us to use to change lives. And God chooses to do that. It's, it's, it's absolutely humbling. And when we do that, we get to see lives changed. It's exactly what we were teaching last week. When we were in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, he says, he says, you'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us produces thanksgiving to God. So as we distribute what God gives us and puts in our hands, people glorify God. People give God the honor, give God the glory. And then he uses us to be distributors of that grace to connect dots to say, he's that good and he loves you that much. even when there's enough for leftovers. Because see, God, God doesn't have supply chain issues. What he's looking for is more distribution channels. That's where you and I come in. I mean, you think about it. I mean, Jesus multiplied. He blessed what was put in his hands. And the 12 disciples fed 5,000 men. 12, and each of them had leftovers. You think about what happens when we put us in the hands of God to be able to see the impact that God wants. How many millions of lives can be changed because we're just willing to say, here's what I've got. I'm trusting you with it, Jesus. And Jesus says, now I'm trusting you with how I can redeem your life. And then we just go distribute it. He blesses it. He multiplies it. Listen, that's exactly what I did with you. Heather and I planted the church, and this isn't my church. I put it in the hands of God as quickly as I could. And what we've been able to see is as God multiplies leaders in the church, and we continue to put the church in the hands of God, he blesses it, he multiplies it, and he puts it back in our hands to go change lives. I mean, and in 12 years, we've seen thousands of lives changed. I mean, story after story of how God multiplies his grace and multiplies his impact. And here's just, here's just what I believe, that if, if you would do the same, if you would just get honest with God, and say, this is what I got. I'm putting it in your hands. 
I, I firmly believe he will use you to change lives. Let me pray for us. Father, I just ask you to help us um, do an inventory. Show us what we have that in your hands will change lives. Even our life, that you'll change our life. You've proven yourself faithful and you've proven yourself trustworthy. And we trust you with everything we have. And God, we tell you, we put it in your hands. I just want to give you a moment, just where you're at. Don't lean on my prayer. In your space, would you, would you tell God, here's what I have and I'll, I'll put it in your hands. Father, I pray for us to be faithful as we trust you with what we have. You put it in your hands. It's yours. And would you use that for us to distribute your goodness and your grace and your mercy. God, I pray for those today that have never put their life in your hands. Would you multiply and bless salvation today? The greatest thing that you could ever put in the hands of Jesus is your own life. Regardless of past, listen, he loves you. And I just, I want to invite you to make that decision, the biggest decision you'll ever make. And if you're ready to say, Jesus, I'm going to put my life in your hands to receive your salvation. I'm ready to do that now. I just want you, nobody's looking around. I just want you to raise your hand up because I want to pray for you. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to make you come forward. I just, I just want you to slip up your hand so we can pray for you and so we can know and we can, we can thank God for your decision. Awesome. If you're online, just... If you'll send us a private message, we'll get a Bible in your hands, we can get some next steps in your hands. If you're ready to pray that and put your life in the hands of Jesus, I just want you to simply use your words and your heart just to say, Jesus, I, I put it all in your hands. I give all of me to you. And I'm asking you to save me. I'm asking you to forgive me. I trust that you're good. I trust that you love me so much that you died for me. I trust that you rose again. I don't understand it, but I trust you. And I trust you to be the Lord of my life. And I put everything in your hands. Use me change my life, Jesus, and use me to change lives. We love you. We praise you. We pray all this for your glory. Amen. Amen.
Amen. I love you guys. God bless.